0: Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be discussing the recent innovative methodology article, Behavioral Training of Marmosets and Electrophysiological Recording from the Cerebellum. Before we begin, let's meet our guests.
1: Hi, I'm Reza Shadmer.
2: Hello, I'm Esan salagad uh, the lead author of the paper. I'm a PhD candidate at Johns Hopkins University, Hello, I'm Paul Hage. I'm a co-author on the paper and also
3: a PhD student at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine's Biomedical Engineering Department.
0: Thanks. Could you give us a brief primer on recent use of the marmoset as a model for neurophysiological research?
1: The marmoset, I think, is probably one of the more exciting new directions of neuroscience research because it appears that much of the tools that have been developed for neuroscience research in the rodent will eventually be developed also for the marmoset. The marmoset is a primate, which makes it a particularly important species to study for much of the special disorders that, you know, we humans get, neurological disorders that we have, depression, schizophrenia, autism, And the hope is that development of these imaging genetic tools will be able to be translated to a primate model which will then help us be able to go after these issues that affect many people and therefore find the neural basis of some of these disorders.
0: How do you hope to expand the utility of the marmoset model?
2: As Professor Schapner introduced, marmosets have very attractive features for neurophysiological research. However, despite these potentials, there is a concern that these animals may be difficult to train for studies that investigate the neurobasis of goal-directed behavior in a lab setting. For example, recent studies have reported between just 300 to 800 successful trials per session. And this, in turn, made it unclear whether marmosets can serve as a model for neurophysiological studies of different behaviors. And during the last four years, our team has built a new marmoset lab aiming to develop behavioral and electrophysiological protocols that allow for recording from the cerebellum. And we developed these protocols from two different perspectives. From a behavioral perspective, we developed a protocol which made it possible for us to motivate the animal to produce a sufficiently large number of rewarded trials, and usually more than 1,000 trials on a daily basis. And secondly, from an electrophysiological perspective, we designed procedures to precisely target certain regions of the cerebellum, and eventually made it possible for us to simultaneously isolate multiple Purkinje cells using high-density electrodes.
0: What protocols did you introduce to improve training efficacy in marmosets?
2: So, our
3: ultimate goal was to train the marmosets to be able to produce about a thousand successful trials in our tasks and remain motivated over the course of the session. So, a key element in achieving this was our implementation of a carefully calibrated food as a reward protocol. This being slightly different to previous approaches with marmosets, which implemented liquid-based rewards. When in effect, the marmosets are maintained within 85 to 100 percent of their average weight while off protocol. It's structured such that for five days a week they're fed during training tasks and two days a week they have a day off and they're fed in their colony. During tasks, food consists of a combination of nutritional powdered lab diet and applesauce, and it is dispensed as a reward for successfully performing the task so that we provide enough of a reward to positively reinforce successful trials in the task while also keeping the marmosets engaged and motivated by not making them too full too quickly. This approach has proven to be effective in that with the three subjects that we have, we were able to be training them to produce up to 1,500 saccade trials, all while remaining perfectly healthy. We're able to train a marmoset for optimal performance in less than two months, and so far we've sustained training for over a year and a half.
0: Can you tell us about the neurophysiological techniques you employed and why these methods were significant?
2: Sure. Well, acute recording from Purkinje cells of the cerebellum imposes particular demands on the stability of the system. One needs to not only isolate a neuron but also establish identity of the neuron via presence of both simple and complex spikes, which requires movable electrodes and longer periods of recording. And as I mentioned, our aim is to precisely target certain areas of the cerebellum. And in this paper, we presented recordings from oculomotor vermis of the marmosets. And we have provided the means to simultaneously isolate multiple Purkinje cells using high density electrodes like silicon array electrodes, tetrode, and hepto. And for this procedure, we accomplished different stages. First, we began with the design and surgical implantation of subject-specific titanium-printed head posts using CT imaging, one that may be the first of its kind in marmosets. Second, along with CT imaging, we also performed MRI imaging, and by the code registration of those images, we designed a guided alignment tool that can guide an electrode and target precisely the regions of our interest. In addition to these methods for targeting precision, we also use an absolute encoder microdrive to increase our depth precision as well. Third, benefiting from this system, we perform recording from multiple progenitor cells simultaneously, a very difficult accomplishment only once before reported in the awake behaving primary. And last but not least, we also provide the necessary methods to analyze the neural data, for example, how can we confirm that complex and simple spikes originated from the same Purkinje cell? Or in the case of simultaneous recording, how can we quantify the coordination between different cells?
0: What are the next steps in expanding and improving the use of the marmoset as a neuroscience research model?
1: In our lab, for the past 20 years, we've been asking questions about how the brain learns internal models. And the work that we've done and the work that the neuroscience community has done has been building theories that largely rely on behavior. And all of that work has led to a set of computational models that say memory in the cerebellum when it's associated with forming models that make predictions about behavior form in this particular way that have certain characteristics to it. These models have now led us to ask questions about the neural basis of these memories in the cerebellum. Now I think with the marmoset, we are in place to begin testing and uncovering whether the behaviorally-based models have validity in their neural underpinning and basically understand how the cerebellum forms internal models that allow us to maintain a lifetime of
0: well-calibrated movements. I'd like to thank our guests for participating in today's discussion of the article Behavioral Training of Marmosets and Electrophysiological Recording from the Cerebellum, part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology.